here it is. That is a rock. <laughs> Isn't this exciting? As a rock. It's one of the biggest rocks in the world. There are other rocks I could have chosen, but I like that rock. Does anybody know the name of that rock? It's got a name. The Rock of Gibraltar. Yes. If you uh, have prudential insurance, that's the prudential insurance rock. So if you see their little logo, that's the, the, the rock at Gibraltar. On the front of your bulletin is a close-up, like, little, little, like, just the top little section of the rock. And you'll see in the close-up picture, there's a house on the top. This is the far-out picture. This is the, the gigantic chunk of rock, the rock of Gibraltar. It's a very famous rock, and it's worth talking about. Because when I think about the phrase, build your house on the rock, I think of that picture right there. The rock of Gibraltar. Today we're going to launch into a new sermon series. Uh, we just finished the book of Amos. And I think that um, for, for myself personally, I felt like Amos was just amazing. And I hope that it was amazing for you as well, as I saw things in Amos that I have not seen before, but they've been there the whole time. <laughs> and I think God uses His Word. It does not return void. If you uh, didn't get to hear the Amos sermons, I would encourage you to go on our YouTube channel. You can just watch them if you want to. But today we're starting something new. We're starting a new sermon series, but this is going to be more than just, just a sermon series. What we are going to start today is going to be the emphasis of our church for the next three months, maybe longer. This is going to be the emphasis of not just Sunday morning. This is the emphasis of Sunday morning. This is going to be the emphasis of Sunday school. This is the emphasis of release time. This is the emphasis of Kids for Christ family. And this is going to be the emphasis of youth ministry. Now youth ministry already started. And your first sermon in youth ministry was on this idea. Build your house on the rock. <coughs> we are going to be talking about what it means to build our house on the rock for the next three months. The Holy Spirit has been stirring this emphasis of build your house on the rock in me for months. Actually, for years. This sermon series has been inside me and God has been working in me for years up until this day today about this. It is not a secret that the last few years have been challenging. It is not a secret that the COVID-19 pandemic has been difficult for our country. It's been difficult for the church in America. It's been difficult for our church here in Bertha. And it seems that our country and our culture has faced many divisive issues in the last few years. COVID. George Floyd. Racial issues. Abortion debates homosexuality, transgenderism, wealth inequality, 
And now, just for fun, let's just stick inflation on the end of that. It's been quite a run, hasn't it? It's been quite a run. I have attempted, sometimes successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully, but I have attempted to listen to God and to speak to you as a shepherd. As a shepherd from God's Word in these difficult years and about these difficult topics. I hope that what I have said has always been squarely from God's Word and not leaning towards some opinion of mine or some opinion of somebody else. That's been my attempt. It's been hopefully helpful and hopefully challenging to you as it has been to me. But behind all of these divisions, behind all of these difficult topics, it seems to me that God has been at work. Calling his wayward people back to himself. I have even suggested, and I, I could not help but see this in our time at Amos. It may have been God who is using and has used some, or maybe all, of these things to call us back to Him. A wake-up call to the church. A wake-up call to our church. A wake-up call to me. And in all of these past few years, one passage of Scripture has come back to me over and over and over again. Build your house on the rock. Please pray. God, as we prepare now to go to Scripture, as we prepare to hear from you, may we be reminded that it is from you and from you alone that we desire to hear. Speak, Lord, through your word. Help us understand your word. We believe it's inspired, and we believe that our reading of it can be inspired if we are willing to listen to you. May it be so today. Help us, God, to hear your voice in your word. Alright. I've been waiting to do this next thing for three years. You ready? No. That's okay. We're doing it anyway. Take a piece of paper. We're going to do a quiz. Please, please do this. Take, use your bulletin. It's going to be a one-question quiz, okay? One-question quiz. Any paper will work. Any paper will work. Okay? This is not a trick question. This is not meant to fool you. This is a one-question quiz. I have been waiting so long to ask you this one question. Everybody got a piece of paper? Everybody got a pencil? Everybody. Everybody. Thank you. Well done over there. Thank you. Everybody. Here we go. Everybody. I can see you when you're not moving. I can see you're not moving. I can see you. I can see you two not moving. Let's go. You have no idea who those two are. Or do you? Come on. Come on, seventh graders. Let's go. Get your piece of paper. Come on. Piece of paper and pencil. One question. Here we go. Here we are.
Do not look up the scripture passage to try to find the answer. That's cheating. Here's the question. Build your house on the rock. Right? That's what it says on the front of your bulletin. What is the rock that we are supposed to build our house on? What is the rock that we are supposed to build our house on? It's not the rock of Gibraltar, that's an analogy. Okay? What is the rock that we are supposed to build our house on? Did you write it? Everybody wrote something? Everybody wrote something? Right, here we go. By a show of hands, if you are daring, raise your hand if you put Jesus. Now, by another show of hands, raise your hand if you put the Bible, or God's Word, or Scripture. Okay? Very good. All right. Oh, I knew I forgot something. I was going to have the Family Feud buzzer sound. That's what I forgot. I love that sound. I've used that sound in so many skits back in the day. put something else other than Jesus or God's Word. Okay? Oh boy. Now I've got your attention. Because almost all of you either put Jesus or you put God's Word. Is it bad to build your life on Jesus or God's Word? No. But I want you to listen. And this is the whole, whole sermon today. The whole sermon is this one thing. Are you ready for this? Let's find out from Scripture what the answer is. Please turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 24 through 27. And if you, you would use your paper Bible, I would love it. We're going to need your, your paper Bible later today. But you can look at the screen if you want. But here we go. Ready for this? Here's what God's Word says is the answer. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So, according to Scripture, according to the very words of Christ, what is the rock that we are to build our house upon? It's in verse 24. You might want to write that on your piece of paper next to the answer you put. The answer is 
The words of Jesus put into practice is the rock upon which we are to build our life. Now that's really important. I'm going to say it again. And our whole next three months is this. The words of Jesus put into practice. <laughs> Survey says. Where did that come from? That was great. Where's my buzzer? Somebody's got to have the buzzer. Survey says. All right. The words of Jesus put into practice. Write it on your piece of paper. Now I want you to notice something. Okay. I suppose you're going to be like technical with me and you're going to say, well, Jesus is the right answer. Right? If you just said Jesus. But Jesus is not just the right answer, is it? Because, let me explain it this way. The rock is not just Jesus. The rock, as Jesus says it right here in Scripture, is the words of Jesus put into practice. Now think about this. Christians for many decades, maybe centuries, many Christians have defined their faith based upon a special word. It's called doctrine. And many Christians for many years have said, as long as I've got the right doctrine, I'm good. Or, as long as I've got the right doctrine, I'm, my house is on the foundation of rock. I'm going to argue that that's false. Doctrine is not the rock. You see, doctrine is the words of Jesus. It's only half of what you need to be on the rock. But many Christians for many years have, have decided, as long as I believe the right stuff, I'll be okay. False. False. The words of Jesus put into practice. Now, the other extreme is just as wrong. The rock is not just doing good things or being a good person. I get so tired of that. You know that boy? Yeah, he's such a good kid. I mean, he's selling math to 14-year-olds, but he's a really good kid. No, he's not a good kid. He's selling math to 14-year-olds. Okay? He's not a good kid. That's not okay. Right? I mean, come on, you guys. Well, he's such a good kid. He's such a good kid. What are you talking about? He's such a good kid. Upon what theological stance are you basing your statement? None. He's not a good kid. So, this whole idea of doing good things or just being a good person is not enough. It's not building your house on the rock. I get so tired of that. See, it's not enough to just to just do good things or be a good person or be a good American even. It's not enough to do good works. True faith, true discipleship is to put the very words of Jesus into practice in your life. So, you got two extremes happening in the church right now and in the wider culture, but I'm saying specifically the church. You got a group of Christians who think the only thing that matters is getting doctrine right, and it doesn't matter putting it into practice. You got that? Then you got this other group that thinks all you really need to do is do good things, like do lots of like good works for people, right? But they don't have 
they're not basing it on the words of Jesus. Like, they're not following the words. They don't know the words of Jesus. They're just doing good things. Right? You've got to have both. Or you're on sand. Do you understand what Jesus is saying here? Doctrine alone is not enough. Good works alone are not enough. Knowing the word of Jesus and putting it into practice. Now I want to clarify, this came up in Sunday school also. I am not talking about salvation by works. We are saved by faith and that's by the grace of God. I want to be very clear about that. But I also say what I also said in Sunday school. Faith without works is dead. In the book of James. All, both of those are true. Everybody got that? You're not saved and you're not on rock by doing good things or by being a good person. But you're also not on the rock by just believing the right stuff but not living it out. It's got to be both. That's what it means to be built on the rock. I think many Christians, I think many churches, I think maybe even our entire country or culture is on sand. I want to read that again. Let's read it again. 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it has foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house and fell with a great fall. Do you, I want, let me say that. If your life is not built upon the words of Jesus put into practice, your entire life is on sand. If a country is built on anything other than the words of Jesus put into practice, it is on sand, and great will be the fall. Reference all names. How many options are there for foundations in this passage of Scripture? Anybody want to know? Give me, give me, anybody? How many options? Hold up the number of options, please. There are two options. Your foundation is either rock or sand. That's it. There is not a middle. Rock or sand. And rock is the words of Jesus put into practice. There is no third option. There is no third option. The words of Jesus put into practice is the only rock. There is no other Anything else, everything else is the foundation of sand. You know, you've read this verse a hundred thousand times, haven't you? Some of you have read that verse so many times. Did you ever realize that it must be the words of Jesus put into practice? It's got to be both. That's the only rock. How many ways can I say that same thing in the same sermon? I'm not sure, but I'm running. I'm probably at the end. How many times I can say that? 
Okay, so this is pretty obvious, but what happens if you build a house on a poor foundation? You remember the flood that happened in, uh, well, how many floods do we need? How many floods and droughts do we need? We've got to get our attention recently. But, do you remember the flood in Yellowstone? And there was that picture that went viral on the internet of the house floating down the, remember that? Not a house built on a firm foundation. You see, when the storms of life come, if you do not have your life built on the words of Jesus put into practice, you will be that house floating down the river. I have seen lots of people who say they're Christians floating down the river like that house. Have you seen that? I've seen it. How many people who claim to be Christians have you seen do that in the past few years? You guys are all being so kind. You're just like, well, it's probably me. So, okay? That is what I'm talking about. The storms of life do not discriminate. The storms of life do not discriminate. If your foundation is not on the rock, you will, your house, your life, will be swept away. You know what's interesting, though? Think about the analogy. What if you use the best building materials to make your house? What if you use the strongest building materials? What if you made that house out of steel? <laughs> Have you seen what a hurricane can do? Your house might stay intact, but it will still be floating down the river if the foundation isn't good. I don't care what you build your house out of. I don't care how strong the materials are that you build the house out of. If the foundation's not set, you're going down the river. And if you build out of steel, very likely you'll be at the bottom of the river. Now, the house might still be a structure, but it's underwater and you're dead. Do you see it? This analogy is just like, I don't, I don't need to explain it to you, right? And yet it's like, think about what happens. We keep thinking if we just use better building materials, it's going to be okay. That's like the description of the United States of America right now. If we just use better science, if we just, if we just, use, if we just use better logic, false! I don't care how strong your logic is. If you're not built on the rock, your house is going to be swept away when the storm comes. It's true for individuals. It's true for families. It is true for churches. And it is true for countries. That's what happens when you are not built on the words of Jesus put into practice. Our culture today in the United States, well, this is a shocker. This next statement is a shocker. Okay? Our culture today in the United States is not founded upon the words that Jesus put into practice. Did you notice? Did you notice? Our culture. Our culture. I think that our Constitution is not an evil thing. I'm talking about our culture. We don't even know what right and wrong is anymore. We've been misled, you see, to believe that whatever we think in our head is true becomes true automatically somehow. Like if you talk to somebody and they say, well, I know you believe in Jesus and that's true for you, but I don't believe in Jesus and that's true for me. As if somehow what you think about Jesus and God is going to decide whether or not God is existing or not. 
What you believe about Jesus does not change who Jesus is. You might find out that you're wrong someday. And that would be bad. I don't want people to find out that they're wrong someday. Because not only do I think that there's eternal salvation in knowing who Jesus really is, I also happen to believe it's by far the best way for a human being to live on this earth is the Christian life. Jesus, by the way, is the only way to the Father. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I hate those coexist stickers. What is up with that? Who, on the back of the bumper stickers, coexist, and it's all the different signs of different religions? As if all religions are the way to heaven? Well, you can believe that if you want. That could be your opinion, but it's not right. There's only one way. It's through Jesus. That's the only way. That's the only way to get right with God. And the only foundation for life is the words that Jesus put into practice. Or you're on sand. Building a life of anything other than the words that Jesus put into practice is to build your house on sand. You will not survive the storms of life. The last few years have been a more active storm season than most of us were accustomed to. Not all of us, many of you have, that are older than me, that are more mature, have seen a lot of bad stuff before I came around. World War II. And I don't know what happened in the 60s, but I don't think it's very good. Okay? You've seen a lot of stuff that was very divisive. Right? The Vietnam War, I didn't see that. Super divisive. You guys saw crazy inflation in the 1970s and early 80s that would, that would make our skin today curve. Right? So many of you have seen storms, but for people like my age and younger, the storms we've been through in the last three years seem overwhelming. Like we don't know how to deal with some of this stuff. I can tell you how to deal with some of this stuff. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built a house on the rock. That is how you survive the storms that have been hitting us in the past few years. That's the answer. That's it. That's it. Now, please take your paper Bible out, and I want to show you something very quickly, and then we're done for today. Take your paper Bible out and turn to Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to show you something in the paper Bible. So the verses that we've been reading over and over today are Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. But I want you to look now at the next verse. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Okay, now, when Jesus had finished saying these things, what things are being referred to here? Well, in your paper Bible, please turn back three chapters to chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1 says, Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. 
The disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, You guys, that's the beginning of the teaching. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 is the end of that teaching. Three full chapters, one solid chunk of Jesus' teaching on one afternoon. We call that a special name. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Do you know why it's called the Sermon on the Mount? Because Jesus was on a mountain. I mean, we just read it. Like, that's literally why it's called the Sermon on the Mount. That was tricky. You guys, this Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, is the single largest chunk of Jesus' teaching that we have. It is God in human form telling us how to live a successful life. That's what that is. And by the way, every good message, every good sermon, has a powerful conclusion that brings it all together. And how did Jesus, God himself in human form, decide to conclude his largest chunk of teaching? Let me tell you. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The conclusion of Jesus' sermon Yep, the build your house on the rock section is the conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount. You may have never realized that because oftentimes we read the Bible in like little chunks. That's why I don't like devotionals very much because you don't get the flow, right? It is the most important conclusion to the most important sermon ever written. What is the rock? What is the rock? The words of Jesus put into practice. What is the rock? Every time I ask you what the rock is, my hope is, and I won't do this so much that it gets annoying, well I might. Maybe it's already annoying. Every time I ask you what is the rock, I want you to say the words of Jesus put into practice. And what words was Jesus referring to when he said it, the Sermon on the Mount. This is why in seminary, my seminary professor, Dr. Dwyer, required in our New Testament class, we were required to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. I memorized the Sermon on the Mount when I was in seminary. It's really not that hard when you actually start doing it. Because it's the words of Jesus, and then we put those into practice. Whoa. Mind-blowing. This is not a complicated sermon today. I didn't even have to get the timeline. 
Right? And so, we are going to focus in this church for the next three months on the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount with special emphasis on how to put them into practice. And I think we might discover, after spending some time doing that, that, that this that we've been doing for three years might stop. We must get back to God's Word. We must get back to the words of Jesus, and we must live it out. Or we will continue to drift down the stream, and so will our country. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, the church is the conscience of a country. And the conscience of our country has been silent for three years. Let's do something about that. In our individual lives, in this church in Bertha, in our community, in the wider church in the United States, and in the very fabric of our country, we must refound, rebuild on the foundation of the rock, the words of Jesus Christ put in practice. Thank you, God, for your word. As we begin this journey, we know it's going to have to be with you guiding. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to work through your word, to work through me, to work through us, to become a people 